I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Alan Evans. And I'm Joey Santos. And we're the hosts of Two Guys from Hollywood. And this is OPP. God bless everybody, and welcome back to another episode of OPP, Other People's Podcasts, America's number one podcast discovery platform that highlights your favorite podcasters and the dope shows they created. I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. Our special guest this episode is literary agent Alan Nevins and celebrity chef Joey Santos, host of the amazing podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood. Friends for over 30 years, Alan and Joey grew up in Hollywood observing not just the entertainment industry, but the people who flock there. Their show was a place for an honest chat about all things behind the scenes in Hollywood, with a serving of great food and plenty of drinks alongside their list of celebrity guests. In this episode, Joey and Alan shared valuable advice for people wanting to move to Los Angeles. They shared some of their favorite Hollywood memories. They gave me their podcasters picks. And of course, we get into their dope show, Two Guys from Hollywood. So, without further ado, allow me to introduce you to Alan Nevins and Joey Santos. What's up, fellas? How you doing? Great. How are you? We are fantastic. That's what I like to hear. It's such a pleasure meeting you guys, for real, for real, virtually. But it feels like we're in the same room. It does. Well, at least we're in the same state. We're in the same city, almost. You're in Venice. We're in West Hollywood. So close enough. We are in the Hollywood Hills. We are West, not Hollywood West Hollywood Hills. Hills. You know, I, I, I Hollywood stops at sunset, thank God. <laughs> not in your, according to your zip code, it does not. <laughs> I, I haven't had a chance okay. to like really venture out into L.A. that much because of COVID. Like, What's the vibe like in West Hollywood right now? Crickets. It's crickets. Dead. Yeah, like everywhere it's dead. As it should be. I thank God it's dead. <laughs> it, it, it pisses me off when I see people about to do something. You know what I mean? It's like, nope, get that mask on, stay home. Just not time yet. You know, we're almost there. So just patience, my friends. Hey, I'm I'm glass half full. I'm not missing the traffic. I love that you can just zip around town, no traffic. I love that the sky is blue. I love that it's quiet at night. There's not cars and horns. So I'm finding the good stuff from the pandemic. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. Is it something that you guys, uh, because obviously LA is a very fast paced, uh, energetic, lively city. Are you guys enjoying the fact that it's calmed down? Very much. Yeah, very much. Because there, you know, we have to get back to some things. You know, what happened to LA when we grew up here, Alan and I, I mean, we've, Alan's a native. I'm, Originally New York, but I've been here since I was 12. So basically, I, I am a Californian. You know, that's, that's, I know the lifestyle. I grew up in Hollywood. My dad was an actor and director. So all of that stuff has just been in me the whole time. And it's a whole different place now, you know? I mean, we have so, everything is so fame-driven, so celebrity-driven. So it's not the Hollywood that it 
started out being. That was based on talent and drive and and passion. And now it's just getting your picture taken and getting a, you know, it's a whole different mentality. But I think you were asking about during the pandemic, right? Yeah. General, you were asking. Yeah. No, I, li- I like it because, listen, after, you know, many years of living here with the, the traffic and the rushing and the, it's nice to have a year break. I mean, why not enjoy it? You know, it was forced upon us. Let's turn it into, you know, lemons into lemonade and enjoy it and for what it is. So that's what we've been doing. And I like it, you know, that things have slowed down. I actually think it's good for a lot of people. There's a lot of people spending time with their families that didn't do that before. You know, there was always a rush, rush, rush. Now they're with their families. They're doing the things that one should do with their families. They're watching movies at night. They're playing games. Reading is up big time. People Mm -hmm. are reading way more than they did. So a lot of good things came out of this. And hopefully when it does go away, that they will hold on to some of these things and realize they had let them go. Yeah. Yeah. I I just moved here from New York, Um, you know, so I spent about a decade in New York before coming out here. And I was able to see in a decade just how fast New York changes. Like it, fa- it, it, it changes at a rate much different than the rest of the country. And I'm sure LA has as well from your time early in your career to now, uh, what is, what's been the greatest change you've seen in Los Angeles in your time here? Wow. Um, I guess, well, things move a lot more rapidly now. And when I started and I worked for Irving Lazar, I remember you used to mark up contracts, you put them in an envelope, <laughs> you mailed them to New York. And maybe four weeks later, they came back and there would be some, you know, it all be marked up again and you would do it again and send it off. So it was a lot slower paced. And so it didn't feel quite so hectic and crazed because it wasn't that thing about, oh, you've just sent it and now someone's answering, right? It, it, there was more space and more time. and. So I would say for me, that's maybe the biggest changes. Things are very fast paced now. Yeah. And what I've noticed the most is the attention span has changed. So there is none. It's the it's herding cats (laughs) and it's the attention span of a gnat. I mean, no matter whether it's in my professional life or my private life, if it's always like, where are you going? You know, it's like that. Didn't used to be that way. People were invested. They looked you in the eye. They had a conversation. They hung around. Now it's like, whoop, gone. Yeah, I, I feel like, um, you know, it takes a certain, from my time coming from Virginia to New York, I learned that, like, it takes a certain type of person uh, to be able to survive in New York City, right? Like a certain tenacity. Maybe it's toughness. Maybe it's grit. Maybe it's uh, persistence. Um, but you guys have been in Los Angeles and thriving here um, for a very, very long time. Like, what is the number one quality you think that people should come to Los Angeles uh, bringing that they maybe d- wouldn't have in their hometown. We don't want anybody. We don't want more people coming to Los Angeles. <laughs> we just don't want you at all. The thing that was it's a, re- a horrible place. Don't come. The weather's terrible. It's always freezing cold or too hot. Don't come. The requirement for Hollywood was pretty simple, and it was based on one thing and one thing in particular: preparedness. And people have the dream of what Hollywood stands for, or that. You know, the moniker of Hollywood, oh, be a star and the bright lights and the fame and all that stuff. But the preparedness is what it was built on. Real talent, real preparedness. And people just want to show up and think they're entitled. You know, listen, if I wanted to be a doctor, I think I would have to go to school for a long while. And I'd have to earn all those things and find out everything I need to know about the body and, the, and everything that goes along with that. 
You know, people want to be an actor and then they just think they could show up in front of a camera. That's not how it works. They don't know who the writers are, who the directors are, who the who, who the the pioneers of this business are. They're not prepared in any way. And then they don't and they fizz and they wonder why they fizzle out, because longevity is comes from preparedness. And you may have all the talent in the world, but if you're not prepared to display it, you might as well not have any. I had an assistant once who desperately wanted to work in Hollywood and she wanted to either produce or direct. She wasn't sure which one it was. And one day she turned to me and she said, why is Cher famous? <laughs> and I thought, I thought, if you don't know why Cher is famous, you're in the wrong business. You, you know, it, yeah. speaking of Cher, the reason why Cher is, deserves to be so famous, for anyone listening to the podcast right now, listen, what, go watch Cher with the Jackson 5. She did like this variety show with the Jackson 5. And man, Cher can dance. It was her show. Oh my God. It was the Cher show. It was and the Cher she had show. The Jackson Five. They on. were guesting. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, she was dancing in step with Michael Jackson and the. I know exactly the clip you're talking about. Oh my. Yeah, but you know, if you people don't, and here's something else about Cher, her her music is amazing. When you go back to the every decade had she's had every I mean huge hits in every decade. Every single decade, I mean, and hundreds of songs, but huge hits. I mean, it, she and she, this is 60 years she's in. in, in how are you going to be famous for 60 years? She did it. There's a handful of those people, Diana Ross, her, Barbara Streisand. I mean, we have to take our hats off and learn from them, emulate them, not imitate them, but emulate them. Yeah, because I think that's such a misconception that a lot of people have, um, about Hollywood or about New York is that oh people just became successful because they walked into a coffee shop one day and a director spotted them and said you you're going to be the next one and well let me break it to you even Lana Turner wasn't discovered at Schwab's (laughs) so that was a crock of shit too you know what I mean there's always the anomalies but you can't live by the anomalies you have to go by what the what the norm is yeah and an overnight success is literally sometimes 20 years you know, then all of a sudden, boom, it hits. But it's the preparedness to allow the target to hit. People forget, you know, they, they're, they're taken by the glamour. They're taken by the fame and what they perceive as the money. And they forget that these people work hard. They work very hard. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they only see them showing up, you know, in beautiful gowns and limousines at the premieres. But they don't understand that in many ways these people don't have, you know, a big social life. They're working. They're working all the time. Work, 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 work. It's what yep. drives them. It's what excites them. It's why they do it all the time. Yeah. But it's work. Um, on, the, on the topic of abandoning work and, atopening, and tackling the topic of friendship, uh, how did you guys meet? Okay. You know, we, we struggle with this. Because we come from a time where we were out every single night to a party, to a club, every single night. These were our early 20s, and we took full advantage of them. So we're somewhere in between a party or a club or either I slept with someone he knew or he slept with someone I knew, and we compared notes. It was something <laughs> along, <laughs> along those lines. But that's how – and we hit it off like – like we, that. We met somewhere, but we don't don't remember where, where? because once we met, we were constantly <clears throat> together and out and to bars and to parties and dinners. So we don't quite remember exactly the moment that we met. We just remember the time, the time. that followed it. Yeah. <laughs> it could have been a weekend in Palm Springs and we were doing it was constant with us in those days. It was like, Yeah, what are you doing tomorrow? Nothing, let's do it. You know, so 
We met somewhere in the midst of all that madness. I mean, so I'm going to ask you guys a question here. I want you guys to take me back and to uh, I loved in my time in New York, talking to folks who were natives of New York, where I lived there for a really long time and hearing the amazing stories that that they would share, whether it was like Studio 54 or something like that or, you know, we're a bit young for that one, although I did catch it on the second go round. Yeah, I did too on the second go around. Yeah. Oh man. Like, uh, what were some of the best memories? Like if you had to say, man, this was my best LA moment that this could only take place in LA in Hollywood for you guys. Um, you go first. Well, I guess as a Hollywood moment, uh, I was an executive producer on a TV movie based on one of my clients' books many years ago that a lot of people have seen. It was called Homeless to Harvard. And, um, and the movie was nominated for Best TV Movie of the Year for an Emmy. So we got to go to the Emmys. And I would say as a Hollywood moment, that was probably one of the more memorable ones because there was that excitement about whether we were going to win. I kind of knew we weren't because I saw I, the, one, the movie that won, I saw two nights before the Emmys. I thought, oh crap, we'll never win. But, <laughs> but it was still a lot of fun going. And there was always, you know, you never know. You never know who's going to vote for what. So there was that excitement that the movie would win. Yeah, for sure. And for me, it was, uh, I became very friendly. I was 22, and I had met Elizabeth Taylor, and I was invited to her house, and she and I became very friendly, and I was able to get to know her and spend time in her home and dinners and things like that. So that was an exciting time for me. So, yeah. I guess that's, that's a true you know, movie that's star. That's if you're talking about Hollywood moments. Well, as didn't you say L- Hollywood? Yeah, no, I'm just saying. Yeah. As opposed to like an L.A. moment. Well, L.A. Nothing, moment, what, I got my car washed? <laughs> Yo, Elizabeth Taylor is like my is like my old Hollywood crush. Well, you can't get any better than that. I mean, yeah. seriously, that is that, the, that's my epitome of Hollywood and glamour and everything else, and movie star. I mean, you don't see that much anymore. There's so few left, you know. Like that, yeah. Like that, yeah. Sophia Loren, she's still she's still there. Yeah, who who embodies that now? Like Sophia Loren, she just did a wonderful movie that her son directed. We just watched that the other day. It's on Netflix, I believe. Or is it HBO or Netflix? No, it's Netflix. Netflix. It's Netflix, and it's in Italian. It's great. Yeah, it's with subtitles, but she's brilliant. And then you get to, and you, when you see a performance like that, you're so taken in because then you know, when she was 20 years old, what, what kept you in front of the screen watching her, and at 80 years old, it's, it's still, she still keeps you in front of the screen watching her. There's not a moment you blink and you walk away like, now that's what this. That's what this. This is what Hollywood was made of. This is a movie star. Still, Gina Lola Brigida, the same thing. I got to meet her in Italy recently, and she was amazing at ninety years old. You know, and they still possess that quality, that 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 gentleness, that yeah, that you're just, beauty. You're, all of those. You're leading into my question here because you guys have have been around the game and can identify. Um, you know what it takes to be a star, whether it is the 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 work ethic side of it or whether it is the aura side of it. Like, what would you guys say is like a uh, an it quality or it qualities for people who make it in this town as, as stars? Well, it's all of that. You know, in back in the '30s, <clears throat> when Alan was a young boy. <laughs> <laughs> There was an actress, I think her the name 30s, was... Uh, I was at least 72. 
uh, there was an, a movie star by the name of, I think it was, uh, was it Fida Barra? Yeah, Fida Barra. And she was considered the it girl because she had whatever that quality she had on screen. Was it her or Clara Bow? It was one of the two. Well, they were kind of either similar or. Very way. similar. Yeah. But anyway, she was considered the it girl. And so, because it was that thing you couldn't define, so it was just easy to say, easy to, easier to say she has it, you know? Well, what is it about her? It's it. You can't describe it, but it's there. It's something that just, you have to get more from her. You have to, you want to be around her. You have to see her. You can't take your eyes off of her. Now we have it girls, but that's because the SH is silent. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, now it's like IG girls. IG, yeah, or IG. Right, right. right. It's, not, it's not IG. The ig. It's she has ig. Yeah, she, she has ig. Yeah, she, she has IG. Her Instagram, Instagram is ig. You know, that's always the question, what makes a star? But I think if you knew, right, that's how stars, you, you just know when you meet them, they have a star quality that you can't really put your finger mm -hmm. on. And, you know, some become stars because they have a hit song or they were, you know, they did something that brought a lot of attention to them. But I think the ones that sort of Persevere. rise above the, you know, the cream and rise to the top, they they have a there's something about them that is uh, people are attracted to. Yeah. You know, and, and it's not always the one you think it's going to be. I mean, look at Barbara Streisand. She was young. She wasn't the prettiest. But well, for an ugly was, girl, supposedly she's she's done pretty well. Uh, I, I gotta well, say. I never found her ugly. I didn't either. But she. Um, but she wasn't known for her beauty. She was known for that voice. She had a great comic sense. There was a, a lot of things that went together that overshadowed everybody going, well, she's not that pretty. But, but she slept with all the hot guys then. She had Warren <laughs> Beatty. She had, uh, she had uh, Ryan O'Neill. All the hot Hey, hey she had Reed. great taste. She had great taste. She, so she was given something. Maybe she wasn't a beauty, but she had a booty. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Alan and Joey, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to get more into your podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And guys, we are back. That was a short break. So guys, tell me, how did you guys first discover the medium of Hollywood? I'm sorry. Wow. Wow. Podcast. Yes. Yeah. How did you first discover the medium of podcasting? Well, well, I had clients that are were doing it, and you know, in Hollywood, it was it was the thing that was coming along, and people were talking about. And I have radio clients, and so a lot of the radio clients, because it is kind of on demand radio in a way, podcasting, and so a lot of the radio clients were were getting into it. So I was hearing about it. And then I started listening to some podcasts early on before it became sort of this sensation. You know, it was kind of early. And I thought, what are these things? And I, and I rather like them in the same way that I like audiobooks. You know, I could take a long drive and listen to an audiobook. I feel like I'm not wasting my time on a five-hour drive. I'm actually reading a book, right? I, I'm just moving somewhere while I'm doing it. And the podcast kind of filled that 
same thing as like, oh, I could hear a story or I could, you know, listen to something. So it was kind of a natural progression from an audio book for me. Yeah. And I think especially during this pandemic is when I started getting more uh, involved with it or curious about it and started to listen to them. And, and it sort of took you away from that other medium, you know, like TV and movies that are all great. But there are times, like Alan said, you're driving, you're in your car. Sometimes you just, I'm lying in the sun and I want to just chill out or just, and you can take that journey. And there, a lot of them are funny and, and clever and some are very interesting. And, you know, they have all sorts of, all sorts of mediums. And I, I, I enjoy it. And my partner is a podcast freak. So he, he's got these on all day long because he's an artist, so he's in a studio creating, and then he's got, and I can hear him just laughing his ass off from the other room, you know, from his studio, and just well, cracking up. listening to our podcast. Yeah, he must. <laughs> <laughs> and so I go, well, what are you listening to? And he'd tell me, and then he'd tell me the whole story about it. So it became curious, you know, and I started to get more involved. And then Alan and I just one day, we were talking about, he said, maybe we should do one. And so I said, well, let's let's give it a whirl so we did and his well i was asked for the radio people yeah right i was asked because you had a face for radio (laughs) (laughs) both both the handsome guys no No, you had a voice sorry (laughs) it's a voice for radio they said find someone that has a face to go with it and i i asked you (laughs) tell me uh for, for folks who are listening who haven't got a chance to listen to two guys from hollywood but they're going to after this episode, give me the, hot, the, the elevator pitch for what the show is about. Well, it can be a little, well, <laughs> what floor do you want us to take you to on that elevator? Take, take me every floor. <laughs> take you to the penthouse. Okay, Let's so go. It's really, we're two guys from Hollywood. That's legit. But it's not about that all the time. It's really about people. It's about story. It's about us. It's about life experiences. It's about fun. It's about just whatever is going on in that moment, we just happen to be two guys from Hollywood, and we have a lot of friends that are those people from Hollywood that are famous, that are successful, that are from all avenues in Hollywood, whether it's music or theater or film or television or, you know, podcasts, and we invite them as guests, and we don't interview. It's not an interview show. It's more of a join-the-conversation show, and to have their perspective on what we're talking about or what they want to talk about and how we relate to each other and have fun in the process. So that's kind of what it's really about, you know. You, you know, it's interesting. People always ask me what makes a good memoir when someone writes their own memoir. And I always say, well, it's about figuring out. It's about if you can get that person to put down on paper what's going on inside their head, what they're thinking. Because normally when you see them on television, they're promoting a movie or they're, you know, a new TV show. And they're being What are you wearing? Yeah, they're being interviewed for that thing to promote that thing. What we're having them on for is that little piece of memoir because we want to know what are they thinking about the subject that we're talking about. So it, you get a little insight into who they are as opposed to what product are they pushing. Right, and the interesting thing is is that you are so many people are expecting the image and, and for that person to speak of their image or how their image translates. You're, we're introducing to people that you, you want to get to know. And they're opening themselves up to get, for them to get to know. So it, it's a whole different setup. And it's very broad. You know, we're having, we have actors on, but we've, we're having authors on. We've had a model on. We've had a... Supermodel. We've had produ- supermodel. 
We've had a producer. Get it twisted. Uh, you know, and it's going to be broader. We've got we've got a DEA agent that was on that was super fascinating because he'd written a porn book. stars. I mean, you, we crossed the thing, and we just let them be people and talk about all the things. So we kind of take away the label a little bit. And don't forget, we have a couple of movie stars lined up, real movie stars lined up. So it's going to be very interesting that you're going to have this kind of little entree into somebody's personal real life and their real opinion, not just the guarded one or the one you expect that you've to hear that you've probably heard already 10 times in the last four interviews. Well, that and I think a lot of people don't realize that these people have interests. You know, you'll find Aside. out somebody that you never knew that they that they had this other thing that they're so such a genius at. And they're very surprised to find out that this person has this hobby or has this, you know, ability, whatever it is. Yeah, so or it, can speak eight different languages. Yeah. At the same time, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, we had we had Audrey Hepburn's son and granddaughter on, yeah, and both raised in Europe, so they each speak six languages. Mm -hmm. You know, we're still working on English a little bit. Speak for yourself. I speak three <laughs> words: Ebonics, English, English <laughs> and a little Spanish. I, I always say I speak Southside. Got from Southside, Richmond. So I speak that Southside dialect. Got the Southside dialect. Yeah. What was the origin story of how the show came together? Well, I represent comedian and radio show host Ricky Smiley. And he had been nominated for uh, the Radio Awards as Personality of the Year. So we all flew down to Dallas a couple of years ago uh, for that, for that uh, ceremony. And there was a whole bunch of people, the, the agent that I work with with Ricky, and Ricky was there, and the head of the company, the president of uh, the radio company was there, and some affiliate people. And we were all talking, and these two girls said, oh, you know, I think Alan missed his calling. He has a voice for radio. He should have been on radio. And everybody kind of stopped and looked at me. And Paul, the agent, said, you know, I think there might be something here. He said, I think you should try to do a podcast. And I kind of laughed at him and said, you know, go away. <laughs> but two weeks later, he had set up a studio and he begged me and he said, I think you should go in and record something and let's see if we can sell it. And uh, I kind of poo-pooed the whole idea, but I didn't want to do it on my own. And I, I asked Joey because I thought we would be quite fun together. And as we went down, we prepared something. We went into this studio. We Hucked recorded this demo. And we send it in, and Joey then proceeded to tell everybody, we're doing a podcast. And I kept saying, shut up. Shut up. We're not doing a podcast. <laughs> I, come from this, I come from positive thinking. I forward jo thinking. Joey said, I recorded a podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, he kept telling her, we're doing a podcast. No, I'm, I believe in forward thinking. And I yeah. kept saying, stop telling people that. Nobody's going to want our podcast. And about five weeks later, we heard from the agent, and he said, I've sold your podcast to iHeartRadio and Dan Patrick specifically, who has this new Dan Patrick podcast. Network. And we thought it was a different Dan Patrick, like the Republican one. <laughs> from Texas. From Texas. You're and from we thought, Texas, oh, exactly. Shit, what is he going to do with us? We thought, you know, and this was height of, you know, <laughs> he's not, we're not going to last two minutes. One Trump joke and I'm out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but but uh, it was not him. It was a different, it was a sports one. The then sports I thought, well, what are we going to do? What is he going to do with us? I said, we know sports. We bowl. Yeah, I know how to bowl. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, beer pong. That's a sport. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm good at that. Yeah, that's a game. I yeah. can throw a tennis racket. I can throw a tantrum. Any of them. I can throw a tantrum. It's better than anybody. Isn't that and a sport? I always, uh, um, my, my background was as a rapper before I got into podcasting. 
and as a songwriter. And so when I got into podcasting, I soon realized like, you know, I have a message that I want to get across to the listener. Um, and they may not come across, they may not be able to hear it overarching throughout every episode, but underlined is a message that I'm trying to convey. Is there like a message or something you guys want to uh, have the audience walk away with whenever they listen to an episode? Well, I don't know if it's much of a message as it is a vibe. We, I think, I know personally, I like to leave, I like people to leave a room feeling good about having been there. And because I entertain so much at home, I mean, I'm a chef, private chef, um, and I love to cook, and I love people in my house and stuff, and every, you know, I... Before COVID, I was having literally a dinner party for 20 people once a week. And at that table, you would have every kind of person, from a movie star to a supermodel to a porn star to a, a guy that works at The Gap or a girl that works at, you know, in a restaurant to somebody that's 85 years old to somebody that's 22 years old. Yeah, the porn star was the 85-year-old. Yeah, well, that was your favorite movie. Anyway, they all came away as friends. And every week there'd be a different person filling in for here and, and mixing it up. And people became friends and would look forward to that. And the conversations were authentic and real and interesting. And nobody had their cell phone. You know, nobody was interested in picking up their phone because they were engaged in conversation and music. And I have a, a beautiful piano and I hire a piano player. And we People get up and sing and, you know, or poetry or whatever the, the mood is. But it becomes... In the old days, there was something called, a, they would do a salon, salon, you know, and all the great poets and, and writers and entertainers and actors or whoever, they would come to these, these little soirees and they would talk for hours about politics, about life, about music, about art, all these incredible things. And we need to get back to that. And especially during this whole time that we just spent, hopefully with a little bit of introspective, and then when, when it's time now that we can bring everything back out, that's what we should be relating when this is all said and done. And finding our joy, not necessarily going back to bars and restaurants and all that stuff that people are so dying to do. And it's important to do that too because people have to make a living, I agree. But also incorporate a little bit of what you've learned during this quiet time so when you do go back into that, you could bring something a little bit more special than just taking it all away again, mm. you know? I think what we try to do, I, I, I agree, but I think what we try to do is that they leave, they've had a good time, they maybe learned something, and we've maybe uh, made them think about something that they don't think about. It used to be, you know, your parents, my parents, would they'd always, or even my teachers would make you think about things. They'd, sure. give you, they'd pose a question, right? Or they'd put it out there and you'd think about it. But I don't see parents doing that so much anymore. People are sort of driven by commercials and TV and, and the social media, and, and there's not that dialogue about things to think about. I don't, those discussions don't seem no. to happen unless they're driven by the social media. And so, we, you know, we hope that we do a little bit of that. And, yeah, the conversations parents have, Mommy bit. wants her Chardonnay. Not now. <laughs> Mommy needs her Chardonnay. <laughs> That's why they were going crazy getting these kids back to school because Mommy wasn't getting her Chardonnay. <laughs> That's right. She actually had to be a parent a few times a week. You know Damn what I mean? She right. actually had to be a parent. <laughs> Damn right. And so, guys, we've come to a point in the show called our podcaster's pick. I'm going to do one from each of you and then a collective like, ah, yeah, that's the well, one. Well, we're overachievers, so we actually have two from each other. Oh, great. All right, yes. there we go. Let's do it. 
Yes. I listen to um, Caviar Dreams with a Tuna Fish Budget. That's Margaret Joseph's uh, podcast, who I adore her. And she's funny. She's very authentic, very real. And she takes you on that whole journey of her success, uh, also with the reality show. But then also, she's an entrepreneur and a businesswoman. So and she has a great way of, uh, of storytelling. So I enjoy that one. And then because with since COVID... My taste in television has gone to the lowest level that is <laughs> that there is. So I watch every of that kind of show, you know, like the 90 Day Fiance, the the one in jail. The, what was that one up, called? Love, love lock after lockup, lock life after lockup, doing it in lockup, forgetting <laughs> lockup, trying to get out of lockup. All the different versions. I'm all locked up in that. And so it's all that reality show mania, you know, below deck. Those two crazy twins with the big titties. I watched D- Darcy and Doodoo Head, whatever it's called. <laughs> and then there's so the the guy that has his show called Beyond the Velvet Rope, his podcast, David Yontoff. I I follow his because it is all that gossip and it's really hilarious and he just nails all those people. So it's enjoyable for me just to be stupid, you know, to check out. So I I listen to those two. There we go. My first one's probably a little spot on for what I do, but I actually enjoy listening to the New York Times Book Review podcast. Oh yeah, because because they have on those reviewers that are great writers, and they discuss those books, and it kind of brings the book to life a little bit, and it's much more interesting than reading the review in the paper. So I, I rather enjoy that. And, and, and shout out to Pamela Paul; she's a great friend of the show. She was on OPP, so yeah. Exactly. Oh, good. Shout out to her. Exactly. Shout out to her. And so I, I, I love that. And then the uh, the second one that I like is I started listening to um, Live and Die in L.A. And because Neil Strauss and I worked on a book together. And so I started paying a little more attention to what he was doing. And when he did this series, I thought I'm going to listen to it. And like many millions of others, I got caught up in it. And so uh, I would say that those are those are my two that I come to mind. And what about the joint collective one? Is there a joint collective? Oh, one? that was uh, the um, uh, what was the one that we said we liked? <laughs> that was no, la- but there was one was that, no, because week. we had listened together and we both were like, oh, I love that one. Oh, that's the one with the uh, the crime. The no, cr- that's to love and die in L.A. To live and oh, die in L.A. Oh, that's the one. Yeah. Oh well, then you have. So I, I only so have maybe two. I screwed it up and stole our joint. <laughs> there we yeah, go. He, did. he we, stole the joint one got, for we himself. We got two each. There we go. <laughs> yeah, we got two each. There we go. That's as prepared as we are. Two <laughs> each. Listen, it's, <laughs> we're busy. Guys, it's Friday during happy hour time. So, <laughs> yes, it yes, is. Yes, it is. <laughs> there we go. And so, guys, before let you guys go, tequila. Yes. And before I let you get out of here, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you we so really much. That. Would you come be on our show? Oh, yeah. I got one last question. One last question. Before I let you get out of here. All right. Why do you podcast? Why do we podcast? Yeah. Because yeah. we can. <laughs> Why do you podcast? <laughs> I'm not sure I have an answer to that. Uh, I think it was something new, something different. It was a surprise. Uh, you know, we're, we're stuck inside like many people for the pandemic. So when it came along, we thought, why not? Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of OPP. And to our special guests, Alan Nevins and Joey Santos. 
Be sure to check out their amazing podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is produced and mixed by Justin Richards. Music for this episode is produced by Richie Quake. And are you down with OPP? If so, check out opp.news for the latest in podcast news and releases. And while you're still listening, how about giving me a five-star rating in the Apple app? It'll truly mean a lot. And leave a comment as well. Well, I'm your host, Corey Cambridge. God bless everybody. Till next time. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 